back to the Ponytail Children podcast. Today I'm joined with Heather Stevens, CEO and co-founder of the charity. And this is going to be one of our catch-up episodes. We're going to talk about the last month and a bit or so because because of the Christmas break. We're going to be covering about six weeks worth of information. And we're going to be talking about the start up of the new year of the block sessions, getting that organised, being ready for yeah the starting on the right foot of for the year and also we're going to talk about a conference that mum went to that was really informative and that's probably going to make up the bulk of today's episode so i hope you enjoy i hope you enjoyed the last episode which was our first one that we did without derek being here but with derek editing afterwards so i hope you all enjoyed that so thank you very much derek Uh, i've listened to it and it sounds fantastic. It makes us sound a lot better than how it sounds at the moment. So thank you very much. So good afternoon. How are we? We're good, thank you. So we, at the time of recording, we are recording this just at the end of January-ish. And this is going to come out mid-February. So you're just starting up the block. Week one's finished. Week one is complete. So... Week one's complete of a seven-week block, which is spread out over eight weeks. Yeah. So could you tell us why we're needing to run this block slightly different to the usual continuous seven or eight weeks? Well, normally the first block of the year is an eight-week block because the term time is a long term from January to Easter. So it's normally an eight-week block, which is, is fine. But West Lothian take a full week off in February for a February break, midterm break or something. And North Lanarkshire, I think, get two days plus an in-service day. So they should be going back on the Thursday. So we normally continue to stay open. Uh, We do our evening sessions and we do the sessions for the people that aren't affected by the school holidays. But this year, I wasn't able to get our vet in to do the routine work in January before the block started. And the first available date that we could fit him in together was the Thursday of that week. So this is going out on Tuesday. Um, So in two days time, um, we will be having our vet come for our routine work. What is routine work? It's dentistry, dentist work. It's a long day of us with the horses. There'll be two vets this time coming um, and every horse gets their teeth done. It's It looks worse than it is. The horses are fine. Some of the horses enjoy getting their teeth done. But there's also a little bit of tension caused by it. And I, w- I wouldn't be working the horses on the Thursday evening or Friday. Also, some of the horses are due their injections, their annual, no, their their two-yearly tetanus injection um, that we have, the vaccinations that we, 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 the horses get. And that is, some of them will be due on this visit. And again, if, if you were riding the horses, you wouldn't ride them for a couple of days after their injections. So again, you're not going to work them. So we took the opportunity to take a full week off for the ponies, um, which is excellent because eight weeks is quite hard for the ponies. We do notice that extra week. 
people might think, really? But we do. At the end of seven weeks, you can start to see some of the ponies just feeling a bit frazzled. And eight weeks is is longer. Funny. Um, <laughs> funny but, that. Um, so we've just taken that one week down. So we're open for three. We've just finished week one as we record this. And then we're closed for a week and then we're open for four. And I think, I think it's going to work really well. I think, we're, I think moving into next January, I think we would do the same. And it just means that we know where we are. It also helps with invoicing that everybody is on a seven week block and not, oh, you come on a Tuesday and you come on a Thursday. And it's, so yeah, that'll be good. Uh, yeah, definitely. And also we're in a nice position this year that all of the horses are just getting general checkups. We don't have any concerns of eating because that's one of the telltale signs that they might struggle to eat. They might take longer when they're eating or stuff like that. Whereas all of our horses are kind of fit and healthy in their mouths. It's just going to be a basic checkup, which is nice. And it's less traumatic because like, it's not... It's like humans, it's not uncommon for them to get their teeth out and for anyone that's had teeth out, it can be quite stressful and it's the exact same for the horses, so it's nice to be in that position that it's just going to be a bit of a tidy up and a bit of a brushing. It'll be a bit of a, 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 a take off the rough edges. Um, Bertie, he he spits quite a lot of his food out when he's eating, but he is on soft food anyway just because of his age and the type of food that he gets. So he would be a, a good, you know, I would, Will checks them all brilliantly, but Will knows our horses well and he knows their teeth well and he knows that that one's got that and that one's got that. I remember him saying to, to me many years ago when we had Crispy, he says that Crispy's had a hard paper round. Her teeth were just dodgy. She she had a, a wave through her teeth and he knew that before he put his hand in, he remembered this horse has a wave through her teeth and it was just a case of trying to keep her comfortable. But that is the beauty of having a good vet. But Bertie did have challenges maybe was it just before covid he or just i think it was just before covid Don't no know. it was probably during covid because i was at just started uni yeah so first year of uni so about three two and a half years ago he had quite a lot of trouble and he got two teeth removed was it and so he's gonna have gaps in his teeth which means that a bit of extra food will drop out and mm-hmm. because he hit a hard bit patch two years ago or so, mm-hmm. whereas now it's just a monitoring and making sure that what we are seeing with him dropping food is just to be expected. Yeah. So, with us, with the addition of Blue, um, and Blue's only three year old, I wouldn't be surprised um, when Will goes in, some of the baby teeth fall out because they're they're just sitting there waiting. And I remember him doing, I think he did Dixie and the exact same happened. He just goes in, has a feel to see where the rough edges are and then he brought some teeth out. And at that time, Kira was working with us and uh, Kira was just handed two teeth. <laughs> and it was like, wow, I mean, is she okay? And, you know, I didn't realise that um, it was still her baby teeth. And he said, next time I come, I want them made into earrings or necklaces or something like that. And true to her word, Kira did make jewellery out of Dixie's teeth. So I do 
sort of think that there might be baby teeth coming out of blue. But we'll wait and see. If they're ready, they're ready. If not, it'll be the next time. So for our listeners at home, Mum and I discuss what we're going to talk about in the podcast. And there's something that we did discuss a few nights ago, but we forgot this morning. When we're talking about the block, we've rearranged our sessions. So normally on a Thursday, we would so some days we would have two sessions, like a morning and an evening. Other days we have afternoon sessions. And that's kind of been consistent for the last couple of blocks, whereas this block we're needing to remove Thursday afternoon because... Thursday mornings are very busy. We've got a full class of eight clients in, eight horses. It's a full class. It's a wonderful class. All the sessions we've, as I've said, we've just finished it. We've had a good week for week one and we don't often say that. Each session that we've ran, we've went, that was a nice one. That was good. So everybody that's in this block on on week one have been not as anxious as what we have had in the past. So Thursday morning, fantastic session, busy. And then Thursday evening, the five till six is also a very busy session. So that restricts how many horses we have during the day for the half one till half two. Because although we've got 15 horses, blue has just arrived, so that's us to 14. The minis come as one, so that's you on 13. And when you've got eight in for your first, your morning session, you've only got five left. It's good maths. And... We, you know, that would be a a miracle if you were able to use eight at 10 till 11 and then a different five from half one till half two. And then you would ideally want to use the ones that were in the morning session for the evening. It doesn't always work like that, but busy session, first thing, well, Thursday morning, which the afternoon session was getting quite quiet just because we'd filled up the other days first. And then one of our clients said, can I move to a Wednesday? Yes. Which left us with one client, which you can't do one horse on their own. So we've asked them to move to Friday morning. So it allowed us to have the space on the Thursday afternoon to close that block, that session off, which works brilliantly. And I think that's something that we pride ourselves on is the horses do come first because without the horses, we don't have a charity. We don't make a difference without the horses. So we have to listen to them. So when they're struggling on an eight-week block, we we look forward to reassessing and changing the block structure. Equally, we understand that doing seven weeks of two really intense sessions is going to be a lot for them. So just giving them that break during the day is hopefully going to be really beneficial. And we're continuously learning and we'll see who's struggling most. Uh, Maybe they only do one of the two. Like if, I don't know, there's going to be a couple overlap between the heavy in the morning and the heavy at night. They might struggle. So next block we would readapt and Although we're talking about it being a heavy session, it's it's just a busy session. So when you do your, your lead work, um, the horses are very aware of personal space and 
in the past I've seen it myself that the horses are concerned that their little person's going to get in the wrong place. So sometimes there's a, a little bit of anxiety because the horse does feel responsible for that little person. So there's a, a little bit of when it's crowded, we have to be very vigilant. So the horses are very pleased for their own space when they go back in the field. So it's not that the clients are challenging, it's just that the the sessions are, are a little bit more of a ask on the horses. Um, but that's because we're developing. That's because we we are as as good as we are. We we do make the differences that we make, which is allowing us to be able to help eight people in one session. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but we uh, when you're talking about it being busy, we have a mix of horses as well that eight horses all from the little ones herd wouldn't be as challenging as slotting three big ones into that and because Magic's personality is slightly bigger and she'll be curious about the others and Magic looks really big compared to some of our smaller little ones and that dynamic contrast is kind of summing up what we're trying to say about it being busy and stuff like that that it's just a lot of different energies. Foxy and all of her heard in the same session together wouldn't be as much of a challenge. That's right. Um, so everybody's saying, well, why don't you just do the little field? Because we can't, because we have to use the big horses to spread the load. And you talked about that a minute ago, about maybe overloading some of them. We're still very mindful of Bo and Basil because they are, although they've been here for over a year, They've only been doing this for a year and they start off with one or two sessions a block and they build it up and you don't go from four sessions last block to eight this block. We have to, we have to have the longevity out of the, the ponies to help PHC be here in the future. Yeah, we had a little wobble with Poppet and mm-hmm. I don't think it was of fault of ours but I think it highlighted the sensitivity that we need to approach mm-hmm. all of our horses with and go so mm-hmm. in summary Poppet just got a little bit overloaded and her way she was able to tell us that she was getting overloaded she needed a bit of a break and we were able to give her that break and we built her back up like a brand new pony and now she's doing fantastic but she let us know in her own way that we needed to take a step back and actually, although she was absolutely fantastic, not to put too much on her. And I think she was a good reminder for us to bear her in mind of... It wasn't just a good reminder, it was a huge wake-up call. It really, it was wow. And Little Poppet had, she'd had such a a, a sort of meltdown um, in front of us and... We, we obviously she was removed from all clients for her safety, for our safety and client safety. And it was thought she would never do clients again, but she has, um, she has her own clients. She's working with a, a young girl at the moment who the, the three of them, Annalise, Poppet and this person, they, they have come so far. It's, Wow, and Annalise loves Poppet. That Poppet is her special pony, and 
every time we ha- I have the session, she says, Pop, it's just like a normal horse. She's just eating like a normal horse because we really had to carry that wee pony. But that's what time and patience does. And we Pop, it could take another person. And that might be something that we do do because she's a cracker of a pony. But she learned that we listened and we learned you have to listen. <laughs> wow. No, I completely agree. So moving on, mum recently went to a conference only a few days ago from when we were recording it at the moment, so it's fresh in our mind. I was out for the day, I think I was at uni, and when I came home, mum and I sat down and spoke about this for ages. Mum just enthused about the conference and how powerful it was. I had to wait a day because I didn't see you on the Tuesday night. That's right, yeah. I had to wait all day Wednesday. So mum was bubbling to tell me tell me about it and all the different things that she was thinking about from it and we were like excellent let's let's bring that to the podcast so fire away what was your conference on what did you get from it so we had i had to go through to edinburgh on tuesday morning um, and that was one of the days between the the two gales uh, storms so off a toddle I was supposed to get a train, it was cancelled, so I'm now on a bus heading to Edinburgh to go to Suicide Prevention Conference. And I knew it was going to be a hard day. I was a bit uptight about it because suicide is such a hard subject to 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 go to to go to listen about but the whole idea of the conference was to work together to be able to help prevent suicide. So little old me go goes into Edinburgh. Um, for anybody that doesn't know me, for for me to be able to book train train tickets online and get myself all organised of what I was doing, because I've always lived on a farm, I've always lived with a car, and I didn't ever rely on public transport. So there's a bit of anxiety around the fact that I'm toddling off, knowing what type of day I was heading towards. As expected, it was a fantastic welcome when I got there and everybody was lovely. Everybody was there because they want to make a difference. That's why our charity's here. We want to make a difference. So I don't want to go into too much detail about the the speakers, but absolutely emotionally charged and uplifting as well as harrowing. So a lot of different emotions whilst listening to the presenters. But one of the biggest things that came out of the conversations was what PHC do. I don't stand up and say that we are a charity that can help prevent suicide. That's not something that I have ever thought that I would want to promote. But on on the conversations that were being held, they were saying about something as, as simple as time, space and compassion, that that is something that, that we should be able to provide people with to help them to provide time for them to be able to speak at ease 
our time as well, that for us to give our time to someone who is in crisis, this is just as a, as a human being, this isn't as us as a charity, just that time, space and compassion is really important in, in life. So for anybody to give time to someone else, their own time, which is very valuable these days, it seems that nobody's got time. And then time for the person to be able to sit and open up is fundamental. Space. Space for them to be able to just have that I don't really quite know to, I think everyone knows what, what, I'm t- what we mean by having space, not being overcrowded by my thoughts, to allow them space to be able to speak freely and non-judgmental and all these other words that go with it, I would imagine. And compassion, well we all know about compassion. And I'm hearing this and I'm going, that's exactly what we do in a session. For that hour that our young people come to us, we provide time, space and compassion. And I'm and I'm sitting around the table at the discussion that we were doing about it and I'm like, but that's what we do. And someone earlier on in the day when we were doing our intros and I said that um, we're a charity and we basically what what we did we have found ourselves we started off as a charity to help autism and looked after children and we're finding ourselves working a lot more with people with very low mood and suicidal tendencies and the the lady kept saying you've organically grown to become like this to become looking after children helping young people that are suicidal and she kept going on about organically and I thought that that was a a good word to describe how we we didn't wake up we didn't need to wake up one morning and think I'm going to go and stop suicide or prevent suicide that wasn't our remit we've organically ended up that we help people to prevent suicide yeah our target has always been to support the community and what the community needs and to start off with, the community that we were working with was autism and that grew really, that helped us grow with um, charities such as Hope for Autism and that was a community that we were working with. However, the community now, we aren't dealing with a small community such as the autism community. Our community is actually the community around us and unfortunately, that community relies on us to be mental health supporters rather than for autism. We're still there and but mm-hmm. if we play the percentages game there is so many more people out there crying out for help with their mental health. That's where we have to support rather than the autism and learning impairments that we have worked with. Yeah but I think that all that the the wording of what we do has changed because the wording has changed in the world. Once COVID came, the mental health of all people, not just young people, but that's the ones that we see, has declined 
unbelievably. We have children with extreme anxiety, anxiety to leave the house, anxiety to go to school, extreme anxiety, not just, oh, I'm a little bit worried today. And then you've got children who, because of that anxiety, their mental health declines more. So when when I was younger, if you had a bit of anxiety, it was you, you sort of managed to get out of it yourself, perhaps. But nowadays, there is so much mental health, not discussion, but awareness, mental health awareness, that these young people that we work with, that's not just a little bit of anxiety. It is serious. And I always sort of believed that the, there's a sort of line and you start off with with being a little bit worried and then it becomes more anxiety and it, depression can come in there and then other um, mental health symptoms or diagnosis comes comes in again and you go along this line and if they don't get it stopped if you don't put that wall in to stop that line of decline we do end up with self-harm and then self-harm becomes worse and becomes suicidal ideations etc etc and then inevitably there is suicide and I believe that our job as Ponies Help Children is to prevent that decline towards suicide and in this whole conference there was this wee man stood up and he said that I think he was pointing out that a charity that he had worked for had been referred to as a suicide, something to do with suicide. The word suicide was in the name and it had been changed to well-being because people thought that people were shying away from the word suicide. And the wee man, he got, he didn't get shot down in flames, but he got suggested that that was the wrong thing to do, that suicide, the word suicide has got to be used more. The awareness of suicide has got to be around. There's no denying that suicide is a horrendous subject to think about. And if you have been affected by suicide, the repercussions within you and your family are unthinkable. I haven't really got words that I could use to to construct people's feelings, but I think it is very important that Ponies Help Children starts to acknowledge the differences that Ponies Help Children can make and that Ponies Help Children can help to prevent suicide. Standing up and shouting about how brilliant we are is not really something that we do that well. A lot of people will tell us that we're brilliant. We have all our feedback to tell us we're brilliant. And the success of Ponies Help Children shows us that we're brilliant. But we need to not shy away from the word suicide. We need to be brave enough to say that Ponies Help Children can help prevent suicide. So we've got connections from the conference that we were at and we're going to be able to look for training so that our staff and volunteers are more aware
aware of, more confident to be able to speak to these young people that have had suicidal tendencies. But we also work with families that are that have lost to suicide and it's very important that we know that we're saying the right things and that we're encouraging these people to continue and for them to reach their full potential. So there's going to be some training opportunities for our staff and and volunteers and there's a suggestion that we could open it up to maybe schools, um, some of the schools that we work with, if that training hadn't been covered in in that educational setting. So, yet again, everybody working together for the good of the people to make a difference. That would be fantastic to have training for our volunteers so that they feel fully supported when working with all of our children because anyone can experience low mood. So being able to catch it at that initial instant because, as we've discussed before, the ponies open up emotions that people have maybe not expressed before. So for volunteers to be able to understand these emotions a little bit better will really help support the charity. So thank you very much for everyone for listening. Our next episode will be a guest episode. It hasn't been recorded yet, so we hope it's going to be a guest episode, TBC. But thank you very much for all your support. Please keep up to date on social media with all of the developments of the charity. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.